Hey everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Friday, May 19th, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Hello, everyone. TGIF. Good morning. TGIF it is. We're going to start this episode of Real Life Real Crime Daily off with some corrections and retractions. Oh, God. Well, I blew it big time. In the episode for yes, our Thursday, inter- our international Saturday. specialist. <laughs> I want to thank the word our police, Austin Powers himself, the, the word policeman. <laughs> I want to thank our British superfan Sally Ann Martin. Thank you, Sally. We love you. Who let us know? Fancy a spot of that tea. The so word spelled R O W that I referred to as row, like row your boat yesterday. Mm-hmm. Is actually pronounced "row" like "cow." Row, right. so, Sally. And, we want you to know that um, it was edited out. Jim and I told Mike that it was "row." That's right. And Mike was insistent that it was "row" like the fish eggs. But you, <laughs> we can't can't fix Mike sometimes. We appreciate you being on top of things, <laughs> and you know that was that was uh, key. That word in a story about a right. Spotify skateboarding knife wielding right. Uh, God, so thank you very much, and uh, and keep that info flowing, super fan Sally Ann. I also want to acknowledge super fan Michelle Scamardo Taylor, who has joined the resistance. Yay! In the beginning of the show, it's hard to get them to focus. They're Res- doing resistance on what? Well, she has jumped on board Team Agavino and is against. Has come out strongly against. The Buttafuoco haters. Oh, I saw that, yeah. And so I want to thank Michelle for having the courage to stand up against the hate crimes. Thank you, Michelle, for being Mike's only fan. The anti-Italian <laughs> slurs of my co-host. <laughs> there are two other people. who um, Part of Sicilia. Nice. We're up to three now. So I want to say grazia to Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> What's her last name? Well, it, her maiden name is Scamardo. Oh, there you go. But uh, she married a tailor. I don't know what happened to her, but (laughs) but that's okay, Michelle. We love you. That's right. Right. We do love you. Love all y'all. Thank you for tuning in and listening and all that good podcaster shit we're supposed to say. Absolutely. And, you know, we're coming to the end of of another school year. I know there's a lot of moms out there that listen to us. And it's, look, it's prom season. And now it's graduation season. Big deal. And, uh, and yeah, it's a huge deal, huge deal. And during that time, we've had some things happen that we want to cover here. Uh, a mom helping her daughter get ready for prom has been killed in a crossfire of shootout crazy. in Dallas, Texas. A Dallas woman helping her daughter get ready for prom was killed when she got caught in the crossfire of a shootout between two vehicles, police and family say now the shooting which actually occurred one day before mother's day unfolded around 4 p.m that day people in two vehicles were shooting at each other as they drove and four people were shot anna marino 39 was killed and three male victims were hospitalized in critical condition police described marino as a bystander and said the bullet entered her vehicle and hit her, causing her death. Marina was driving with her daughter, Amy, who's a senior in high school, to get her hair done and pick up her prom dress, which 
you know, that's standard oh, right know. procedure oh, in, in mother and daughter's lives. And the family learned of the news when Amy texted the family group chat. Michelle Rodriguez, the youngest of the Marino's children, said all she heard was gunshots. And she said, my mom made a signal like she couldn't breathe. And then she learned, leaned on Amy's shoulder. And that's when they crashed. And that's when Amy said she called for an ambulance. She said her mother was looking forward to celebrating the milestone with her daughter she was like, oh, we finally get to see her get ready. And she didn't even get to see that happen. Members of the family who were at Marino's home waiting to celebrate Amy's prom instead had to rush to the shooting scene. Uh, family members said it hurts. It really hurts because we all had a great bond and it hurts that we lost her so early. They took her from us. It's not fair. She had so much potential. She was so outgoing. She was so hardworking. She had everything. Now, a fundraiser has been set up to help families' funeral expenses and has raised over $7,000 as of yesterday. No suspects are in custody, and the shooting is mm, under investigation. Crazy. Sad, sad, right? And, the, and the, you know, that story is, is horrible, to start with, but what's even more frustrating about that is no one's in custody. You have a big shootout and, yeah. and, and, you know, they're still looking for the people even involved Yeah, in this world of cell phones and traffic cameras and right. all that. You would think it wouldn't be that difficult, but well, maybe they're, it is. they're trying to get the ducks in a row and come correct on them. All right. So y'all uh, tell you about another case that, you know, we've, covered here on real life real crime daily in the uh, um since the beginning another horrible tragedy uh it's about madison brooks again y'all and yesterday kvn washington one of four people arrested in the rape of an lsu student madison brooks was formally charged by a grand jury on wednesday clearing the way for his case to head to trial he's now charged with first degree rape and video voyeurism now i told y'all um that I believe there was a video. If they take, had a video of her getting out of the car, they had a video of them having sex with her or mm-hmm, raping her, right? Mm-hmm. So Washington 18 and a minor accused of raping Brooks while she was drunk in the back of a vehicle just hours before Brooks was fatally hit by a car on Burbank Drive. Earlier this month, the driver of the vehicle where the rape allegedly happened was also charged. The minor who was in the back seat with Washington Brooks was charged as an adult back in March. We told you all about that. On Wednesday, Washington was also indicted for sexual battery and first-degree rape in a separate case out of East Baton Rouge. The other suspect in that case, a 19-year-old Carson Jones, was charged Wednesday for first-degree rape as well. Um the news came just a day after a grand jury in Livingston Parish indicted Washington for first-degree rape in another case dating back to 2020. And it was involving the juvenile who was 12 years old at the time. We told you all about it on Real Life Real Crime. Um, and the accusers in both of these cases came forward in the weeks after Washington's arrest in the Madison Brooks investigation. And I would like to believe that we had a part in that when we did a call out to anybody who may have been right. a, a victim or alleged victim of of these people to come forward, so that's you know, it's it's down and and looking so at three three charges. separate uh, one or both of the other ones Livingston Parish or only only one cape is uh, is for KB on Washington out of Livingston Parish, he's got Madison Brooks 
Baton Rouge. Uh, rape out of Baton Rouge and another case out of Baton Rouge. He's got uh, since Madison Brooks case came out. And so it's going to be. Uh, but the Madison Brooks will get adjudicated first. Right? It should, as it, it appears. I mean, it's the word that they, well, I don't know. I, I can't say. If but the other case is being through, older. It, I, don't know it, I don't know. Again, and yeah, there's going to be delays, and the defense is going to do motions and whatever, whatever. And so the, our justice system is slow, but it is the best in the world. Let's move to the bizarre story of Natalia Grace. And this is a story that you are going to see. I think it's Ion TV. Uh, it's not on the cock. Maybe I'll, it is not on the cock. Uh, maybe I'll figure it out by the by the end of telling you the story, but it's going to be a three-part series they're doing at the end of the month. This is a really not, wild But they're not story. doing it on, on the cock. They're not doing it on the cock. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Natalie Grace was an orphan from Ukraine who was adopted by a oh, yes. couple in Indiana. And this story has made headlines, I mean, around the world. Michael and Christine Barnett said that when they first adopted Natalia Grace in 2010, they believed they were adopting a six-year-old girl. Soon after, they claimed they became suspicious of her age, leading to a bombshell claim. Spondyla epiphyseal, easy for me to say, was merely posing as a child. She was really an adult woman with sinister intentions. The Barnetts alleged that Natalia tried to harm them and their biological children. They accused the orphan of trying to poison Christine's coffee and kill her by dragging her towards an electric fence. They, uh, they accused her also of placing clear thumbtacks on the stairs face up so that they would step on them as they went up. Okay. I don't know that that would right. kill anybody, but um, uh, quote, I promise you within five years, someone is dead, unquote. Michael Barnett says in the cold open of the first episode of the new three-part docu-series, the docu-series is going to be called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, and it is airing on the ID network, I'm sorry, on starting on May 29th. She threatened to stab my sons, drag their bodies outside, and bury them underneath the deck, he said. He also told Good Morning America in an interview that doctors had uh, uh, doctors that were treating Natalia told him and his wife that, quote, this person is a sociopath, this person is a con artist, you are all in danger. Um, do you think the doctor should have said mm, she has hair on her, her nether regions, she's not six years old? I don't. I mean, come on, man, what the fuck? Okay, we'll get back to the doctor okay. in a second. In 2012, two years after Natalia was adopted by the Barnetts, the couple petitioned Marion County Probate Court to have her age legally changed to 22 changing her birth year from 2003 to 1989. Got that? So they, uh, they made her 14 I, years older. I don't understand. Well, you're about to. The couple, the following year, the couple moved with their three sons to Canada without her. <laughs> they, they left Natalia alone in a, an apartment in Lafayette, Indiana. Lord. The Barnetts, who later divorced were charged with neglect of a dependent. Prosecutors couldn't charge the couple with neglect of a child because the Barnetts had legally changed Natalie's age. Um, 
uh, to 14 years older. Uh, Nat- <laughs> Natalie, Natalia. Uh, Natalia testified during uh, Michael's trial saying that she didn't want to live in Lafayette. I wanted to be with the Barnetts, she said. I wanted to live with them. Michael was found not guilty of three counts of neglect and conspiracy to commit neglect of a dependent. Um, And in March, charges against Christina were also dropped. The Barnetts claimed Natalia tried to harm them and their biological children. um, And uh, uh, this story, the rest of it, is going to play out on I don't understand how you get a six-year-old that's however old and you don't know, and you don't be like, "Mm, return the sender. I mean, you didn't go over to Ukraine or wherever and see her Well, she had spondyla epiphyseal. Spondyla epiphyseal. She doesn't look like she's six years old. They said she they adopted a six-year-old. Yeah, no, she doesn't look like she's 26. Well, they knew she had this form of dwarfism, but well, they, I, they didn't how, know. These people are the stupidest people in the world. Watch, I'm sorry. Watch the series. <laughs> yeah, watch it, the look, series. We, Jim will put up the that picture of this person. If you can get that confused with a six-year-old. That's uh, right. They, they got whatever they had coming to them. It's like the the people that move into the haunted house. And it's like, get out. And then they're like, oh, no, I don't think we're Well, but stay. maybe like, since, you know, she was, uh, you know, conniving, maybe she was using nair on all of her I don't regions know, where she, she might not have hair. Like she's maybe six she's- years old. An Illinois girl that vanished six years ago with her mother has been found in North Carolina safe. For six years, loved ones with the public's help search for Kayla Umbehan. After she allegedly was abducted by her non-custodial mother in Illinois. Now 15 years old, she's been found safe over 600 miles away in North Carolina. And she's now reunited with her father in Illinois. Now, Kayla was nine years old when she was abducted by her non-custodial mother, Heather Umbehan, from Chicago. Kayla's father, Ryan Azurka, had won full custody of her in early 2017, and Umbaham was allowed supervised visits. But when Azurka went to pick up his daughter, he learned the pair never returned from a camping trip. A warrant for kidnapping was issued for Umbaham on July 28th of 2017. Then, Saturday evening, Kayla was spotted at a shop in Asheville by someone who recognized her, believe it or not, from an episode of Netflix Unsolved Mysteries. Cool. Hmm. cool. So that particular series was on abductions. That person notified a store employee who then called police. Unbaham was arrested Saturday and held on a $250,000 bond and awaited extradition. She bonded out Tuesday morning and was released. Meanwhile, Azurka, he's obviously overjoyed that his daughter is home safe. He probably felt like he was never going to find her. For sure. Uh, He issued a statement saying he wanted to thank all the followers on the Bring Kayla Home Facebook page who helped keep her story alive and were instrumental in spreading awareness. He asked for privacy as we get to know each other once again and navigate this new beginning. And wow, man, I could not imagine his feeling right now. Never give up hope. That's awesome. It's we, we, 
talk about so many of these stories that have the same tragic ending, but sometimes. And, yeah, and a, for all the ills that social media produces in the world, it does some good, I'll say. It really does. And, and shout out to the person that, you know, how many times in life do people pass by right. people and say, wow, that looks a lot like right. that missing person. But right. how many people that. would actually act on that right. thought? Yeah, absolutely right. So. so shout out to that person who um, who alerted authorities. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, well, um, yeah, the next one actually is more social media. I guess it's Snapchat's a form of social media, right? Holy smokes, wait till you hear this. A California man is facing charges in Baton Rouge after he allegedly engaged in indecent behavior with children over social media. East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office detectives arrested Timothy Asmus, 57, of California on Tuesday, May the 16th, and charged him with indecent behavior with juveniles that reportedly stemmed from an incident back in February that involved a 12-year-old boy who lived in Baton Rouge. The victim told deputies a naked man, later identified as Asmus, joined a Snapchat group that he was in with his friends, and the man almost immediately started masturbating. The incident behavior was recorded by the victim and turned over to law enforcement. Detectives said they connected the man's username and IP address to Asmus at his home in Oxnard, California, and the victim positively identified him as the person seen. Asmus was booked in the East Baton Rouge Parish Prison. Mm-hmm. I guess it, I, I thought Snapchat went away. No, no, no. no, no. They, so you can save like a video on it? Well, this this in this instance, to my understanding, the the child filmed it from their cell phone, so they were uh, looking on a. Uh, oh, so they filmed it off one of cell phone, and they were filming from another. Yeah, because I, I mean I don't have Snapchat, but I, yeah. I, I thought all that, like that and like Tinder but and shit like that just erased automatically. You have to admit some. You have to accept someone into your group, though, right? I mean, he can't just. Come into someone. You would probably have to accept him, but I mean, he could say he's anybody. You don't have to know them to accept him. So he could have said he was twelve year old Jeffrey wanting to talk about gaming. They let him in, and he pulls out his willet. Yeah, Mike is trying to get some knowledge so he doesn't go to jail for shit like this. (laughs) (laughs) Just go ahead. You should go ask your AI about. Snapchat and all the legal loopholes about me. Well, actually, I went in a different direction with our AI <laughs> because when I saw the title to this story that, uh, that Jim had researched, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the story. And so I, uh, I, I actually went to the AI and asked for the top 15 euphemisms for masturbation, and which I thought— Hey, let's would have be, a game real quick. Would be funny. The top 15. I bet you we can— I can we can probably get you the top five jacking off, um, spanking the monkey. Well, I think this is that. Wait, uh, hold on. He's doing a game, and you're oh, you're doing jumping a game? forward. Oh. I thought she was just gonna read them. Uh, we can do it again. What's well, unfair to do the game because I know the answer. I could have you two go against yeah, each other yeah, in the game. That's fine. Okay, so we're we're playing. It's like categories. Yeah. So the categories: masturbation. You have to give a euphemism for masturbation right. until one of you gives up and. Can't do one. Okay. All Go. Right. Um, spanking the monkey. Uh, jacking off. Yeah, that's a guy. Um, bopping the baloney. <laughs> Choking the chicken. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, playing with the ball headed rat. 
Okay, this is, these answers are taking too long. What did you play? What, what are you doing to the ball hitter? Smacking the ball hitter at. Uh, uh, striking the <laughs> willy. <laughs> okay, uh, choking the one eyed snake. Let's end the game. Let's end the game. I'll give you. Uh, yeah, give I'll give you. These were the. Uh, these were the the top fifteen according to uh, Chat GPT. Uh, well, I changed this one for the benefit of of Mr. Chapman, and number one was stroking the anaconda. Yeah, it actually, was, it actually <laughs> yeah, it was stro- been, stroking yeah, the snake, milking the Takes lizard, milking the lizard, choking <laughs> the chicken. I love this one. I'd never heard of this one. Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> Polishing the bishop. <laughs> Polishing the bishop. Burping the worm. Oh, that's sp- my new favorite. Spanking the monkey. No, here's my other yeah. favorite. Pumping the porpoise. Oh, my God. Taming the Eskimo. Mm. I don't get that. <laughs> Cacking the squirrel. Mm. I don't get that one either. Doing the Ray Charles. Uh, that's really, if you think about it, that's really good. Right. Um, uh Badgering the witness. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Tickle the pickle. Yeah. Whacking the kraken. And rubbing the rhino. Okay. Those were the yeah. top Whoop. 15. But I, I, Jack and the Beanstalks got what my, got my vote. I'm going to sell that. What's that? that? <laughs> what he's taking my list. Because one is a burp in the worm. That's it. <laughs> it takes it from me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all Some great true crime, research from the I team. You and, get, a, uh, yeah. you get all kinds of information. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get around daily. Holy shit, that made me laugh. The world has become a smaller place, and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show, and that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Au revoir. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, well, wait, guys, wait, 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 wait. I can't believe this. We interrupt today's real life real crime daily for this special real life real crime daily Royals news bulletin. Fuck you. We no, 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 no. What you, on Tuesday night in New York City? On Tuesday God. night in New York City, the courageous and brave and courageously brave don't do it. This is a crime. This is a really important story. On Tuesday night in New York City, the courageous and brave and courageously brave semi-royal Duke and Duchess of Sussex were once again victimized. This time, it was a near-catastrophic car chase involving paparazzi. Prince Harry and his wife Meghan were involved in a chaotic car chase with paparazzi in New York on Tuesday night that could have resulted in a catastrophic outcome, their spokesperson has allegedly alleged. The Sussex... Sussexes were pursued by photographers after leaving the Women of Vision Awards, where the Duchess was honored for being both a woman and being able to see. The near-catastrophic, almost-fatal, life-threatening, and death-defying car chase through Manhattan, where no car in history has ever gone faster than 35 miles an hour, left the couple badly shaken. Police said numerous photographers made the Sussexes transport challenging. now officially in timeout. No, but listen to this is important. Police and numerous photographers made the Sussexes transport challenging, but there were no reported collisions, injuries, or arrests. According to the couple's account, the altercation with photographers was prolonged and involved multiple traffic violations. Quote, last night, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex were involved in a near-catastrophic car chase at the hands of a ring of highly aggressive paparazzi, the couple spokesperson said. This the couple rel- spokesperson, they're trying to remain relevant in news and nobody gives a fuck about this them. This relentless pursuit lasting over two hours. Did I don't know how you drive around Manhattan for more uh, than two hours. Because it's resulted, fake fucking news. Resulted in multiple near collisions involving other drivers on the road, pedestrians, and two New York police officers. So dangerous and death-defying was this chase that the couple had to perform a mid-ride car switch to try and evade their pursuers. The couple was seen leaving the awards ceremony in a black car, but later they were spotted in a yellow taxi. The driver of the taxi, Sonny Singh, told WNBC-TV in New York that the drivers followed them and were not that aggressive while they were driving behind us. We were just making left turns and right turns, and that's it. Singh added, adding that the Duke and Duchess appeared nervous when they got in his taxi and that a security guard with them got out of the taxi at one point to tell the paparazzi to move. WNBC said that Harry and Meghan gave Singh $50 for a 1750 cab ride to show their appreciation for his heroism. Once they had eluded the precarious danger, the noble duo went to the New York Police Department to demand hangings and were told that they would have to settle for filing charges. (laughs) NYPD officers commented on the harrowing experience. Quote, the NYPD assisted the private security team protecting the Duke and Duchess of Sussex on Tuesday evening. And, quote, there were numerous photographers that made their transport challenging. 
That's according to Julian Phillips of the NYPD. The couple's spokesperson said that while being a public figure comes with a level of interest from the public, it should never come at the cost of anyone's safety and urged the media not to publish photographs from the incident, not dissemination of these images, given the ways in which they were obtained, encourages a highly intrusive practice that is dangerous to all involved. Both King Charles and Buckingham Palace, as well as Prince William and Kensington Palace, told CNN they would not be making a comment about the incident. This has been a special Real Life Real Crime Daily Royals Bulletin. Now back to your regularly scheduled Real Life Real Crime Daily episode. And Are there any, any listeners left? Wake up. <laughs> Sorry. We Sorry apologize. We can't control Mike sometimes. <laughs> he, right. he did that shit unannounced. <laughs> that he knew better than to announce it. <laughs> I should have took a video. All right. Back, back to your back such to. Such victims. The, the, so, oh, my God. so victimized. Back of course, to your he regularly, is an across the pond specialist. Uh, although those people are just trying to stay in the news. That's all. Back to you, regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we're going to talk about, since we just talked about masturbation, it felt like a good time to bring up OnlyFans. Yeah. Yeah. So an OnlyFans model More has been, being, yeah. yeah, has been accused of murdering her boyfriend. Mm. The OnlyFans model accused of murdering her boyfriend in their Miami department is actually being sued now by his family to cover his medical and funeral expenses. Courtney Clinney, 26, is being sued for negligence by Christian Abunselli's family a year after she allegedly stabbed him to death. Clinty was arrested for second-degree murder four months after his death and claimed self-defense in the stabbing. Photos of the crime scene show a puddle of blood near the entryway of the couple's apartment, the bloody knife supposedly used in the attack, and Clinty drenched in his blood. The lawsuit lists Clinty as a defendant along with a few other undisclosed individuals. 911 audio tapes released following the stabbing reveal Clinty told her former lover, baby, I'm so sorry, after allegedly plunging a knife into his shoulder. She didn't tell the operator that she stabbed him, but sobbed to him about how sorry she was. In the background, you can hear the victim crying out, I can't feel my arm. Uh Graphic case photos have been released and revealed that she stabbed her much larger boyfriend inches above the tattoo of her name in cursive on the left side of his chest. At the time, his family said it showed that she had intended to kill him and regretted it once the knife had been plunged into him. It shows her state of mind. She's saying she's sorry because she's realizing what she's done. She's not saying I was defending myself. Umbenselli was rushed to the hospital where he died from his injuries. She was initially arrested, but later released. It was not until several months later she was arrested again in Hawaii, and she's been in custody since. The victim's family is convinced that Courtney was always the aggressor in the romance and that she became a different person when she drank. Don't we all? There were also left irate over investigators' failure to charge Clinty immediately over his death, saying it was because of her privilege and wealth. On one occasion last year, Umbenselli wrote of how he was stabbed twice by an incensed Clinty in the leg. He described text on how he was subsequently left so badly injured he could barely walk. 
In another flare-up, a day later, a still-injured Umbincelli described yet another attack in which he was hit in the head by his girlfriend and left with a concussion. Wait, I was about to say, at what point did he leave, <laughs> man? Yeah. I know, this guy, uh, look, she must... <laughs> I don't get it. Then in late January, he suffered two cuts in the cheek and chin after an alleged tiff with his wounds documented in photos since obtained by police. Those injuries were reportedly severe enough that since the slain Umbincelli would have to admit himself to a local hospital to seek stitches. And he still stayed with her <laughs> after that. That's the cycle of the domestic violence. Here's, a, here's, an, here's another example. Then two months before his death, security footage taken from the apartment building elevator shows Clinty viciously attacking her boyfriend, and he appears to not even be fighting back. Clinty and Umbincelli lived in a very nice high-rise apartment. They were well-known by staff and residents who reported multiple domestic disturbance complaints about the couple and even had to evict them. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, you, you don't that's want being anybody to, to a be a victim. crazy woman. But I'm, I'm telling you, I used to go on calls like this all the time and rust the same assholes over again, men and women, uh, men and women. Um, but I tell them, if you don't get out of this relationship, one day I'm going to come to answer this call, and it's going to be your murder. That's what happened in this Well, day. and it's amazing because it's a power thing. Right. It sounds like she had a lot of money, lived in a great place, yeah. and he uh, that's what well, that's what he wanted, and he took the abuse and took more abuse and yeah, took more abuse to could, continue to have that lifestyle until she took his life away. Happened, uh, Freaking crazy. She would have stabbed me the the first time she stabbed me in the leg, I'd have shot her in the head. <laughs> and that, it would have all been over with. That is what right. they call a fatal attraction. Yeah, for real. And I, I don't get it. Um, y'all... I can't say it's on a more serious note, but this, you know, this story we've been covering since the beginning, and it's very important, right? Uh, it's about Brian Koberger, who is indicted in the Idaho student murders case, and he will enter a plea on Monday. Brian Koberger, 28, was arrested in late 2022 and charged with the murders of Kaylee Goncalves, Madison Mogan, uh, Xana Carnoodle, and Ethan Chapman. The suspect in the University of Idaho murder case has been indicted by a grand jury in the murders of the four college students. Brian Kohlberger will appear in court Monday morning where he is expected to enter a plea. The indictment will allow prosecutors to bypass the previously scheduled preliminary uh, exam, y'all, thus eliminating the potential cross-examination of the two surviving roommates of the vi- or of the victims. Koberger, 28, was taken into custody in Pennsylvania on December the 30th of last year and charged with four counts of murder and one count of felony murder in connection with the stabbing to deaths of the four students. Koberger was arrested at his parents' home in Allsbright, uh, Pennsylvania, and was quickly extradited to Moscow, Idaho, to face charges against him. He's going to have his day in court. Naturally, he's going to plead not guilty. Uh, to uh, on that, What Mike's going to ask on this is... Uh, the preliminary exam gets canceled out anytime you have a grand jury, jury indictment. Sometimes, like if I get a warrant for your arrest for murder or whatever, uh, b- before it goes to the grand jury, you might get the preliminary exam. But in this case, they already knew it's going to be a death penalty case. So they uh, um, they take it to the grand jury. The grand jury indicts that, therefore, 
it eliminates any reason to have a probable cause or a preliminary examination. Okay, so what I got confused about was where it it said it avoids the cross examination right, right. of the other two roommates who did right. not die, but, uh, and the one in particular who said that he walked by but, her. And, but I can assure you, they testified for the grand jury. See what I'm saying? But they, the, uh, if you have a preliminary examination, the defense has a right to you know to to interview them. Basically, it's a free shot for the defense to find out what the prosecution has. Exactly. The grand jury is a secret grand jury. That they'll come back and read the indictment, burglary, and the four murders. You're done, son. See you at trial. So they're able to ba- bypass all of that. So at what point do they have to disclose right, to the right now. defense? As soon as as soon as he gets done entering his plea, they got to under Brady. The the prosecution has so to turn they will they, they will know the testimony they, from those people they, in the grand jury. Well, they they won't they won't know it verbatim, right? Because it's a secret grand jury; it's not recorded, et cetera. But they will have the base facts that these witnesses saying that you were there on such and such. Right. And then what what they said they saw has been yeah. in the press for right, right, months and right. months anyway. And, and, so and, and I'm sure their testimony you remember that, the, the, consistent that, with the that. one girl's getting victim shamed or uh, mm-hmm. victim that people were riding around saying, "Oh, we should have done this, you should have done that." You, you don't know how you're going to act in a situation like that. They should never blame these these. Well, and these she didn't witnesses. have she didn't have any knowledge of right. what had gone on. Right. So she didn't know anyone well, was murdered I mean, at that the, point. Yeah, but the armchair quarterback saying, "Oh, but you didn't report until eleven o'clock the next day," and all this and whatever. But look, you know. and it's it's important to note that uh, a arrest. It, people may be saying, "Well, I mean, this is kind of old news." No, right. an, an arrest and an indictment are different. Totally, totally different. An indictment means a grand jury actually saw the evidence right. and said there's enough evidence there to take you to trial. Right. So, so, uh, the arrest being probable cause is only 50% plus one. The indictment, they believe there's beyond a reasonable doubt that that Coburger's going to be found guilty of those right. murders. So the next next stage is the trial. Yeah, y'all stay tuned on that. And uh, I know it's an important story. All, all these four beautiful young kids cut down in the prime of their lives. Yep. Time to Petty Piper, right. Coburger. Yeah. Let's move to a financial crime. A former CFO from a Seattle startup is accused of diverting $35 million and losing it after investing it in crypto. Uh-oh. The former CFO of this startup took $35 million of his employer's money without permission and lost it by investing in cryptocurrency before the crypto market crashed last year. This is according to a federal indictment returned by a grand jury on Wednesday. Nevin Shetty, age 39, was hired in March of 2021 as the CFO, chief financial officer of a company called Fabric. Fabric makes software uh, platforms for retail commerce. About a year after, uh, the company informed him that they were letting him go over job performance concerns. He secretly took the money and transferred it to Hightower Treasury, a crypto platform he controlled as a side business. His idea was to pay the company 6% interest while retaining profits above that mark, but soon the $35 million investment was practically worthless, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Seattle said. The indictment in the U.S. District Court charged Shetty with four counts of wire fraud. He is scheduled to be arraigned on May 25th. 
Shetty's attorney, Cooper Offenbecker, said in an email statement that he and his client had been in regular contact with prosecutors and disagreed with the decision to bring an indictment. Quote, as the CFO of his former employer, tasked with making investment decisions for its benefit, Mr. Shetty was personally devastated by these losses, which occurred as a result of a catastrophic crash in the cryptocurrency market in May of 2022. We look forward to responding to these allegations in court. Prosecutors, however, said that as the company raised hundreds of millions of dollars in startup funding, it adopted a more conservative approach to managing that capital, a policy that Shetty had helped draft. In an email statement, the company said that it had been cooperating with law enforcement and appreciated the work of the FBI and federal prosecutors. With the amount taken, while the amount taken is substantial, Fabric remains a very well-funded uh, concern with years of runway ahead, meaning they're going to be able to continue to operate. Uh, this doesn't. I mean, you as a CFO, you have a certain amount of independence in a company. You don't have you don't have the you don't have the authority to just go on your own without talking to a CEO or some kind of committee or the board and just divert thirty five million dollars into some other kind of. They'll be changing their policy and procedure now. This guy's going to uh, going to be in some trouble. Well, our next story is. Definitely going to fall in. We we need a WTF segment, and this would qualify for the inaugural story. Uh, a woman is defecated and smeared feces inside a hospital chapel. Now, bond was set at $2,500 for the woman who is accused of defecating inside that chapel at a hospital. Laura Menard was arrested on a felony charge of desecration. On May 13th, Menard went into the chapel at the Good Samaritan Hospital and defecated it on the altar. She then used the fabric runner on the altar to wipe herself. Menard smeared her feces on the altar table using a picture she found in the chapel. Oh, Can you God. say uh, express, what an idiot. express ticket to hell? Yeah, I mean, I don't even, you know, it just makes you wonder what the hell is wrong with people. You know, when we recorded yesterday's episode and Woody had the ridiculous uh, fetal fetish kinky crime, I don't know why, but I went down a rabbit hole on fetal fetish stuff. went down an anus Uh, hole. Fecal fecal (laughs) fetish stuff last night. And, oh, my God. I mean, there are... uh, I don't know that they're formal, but there are leagues of people yep. who uh, store this stuff and then and then throw it at each other in so, like it's a sporting event. They throw it at each other. They roll around in. It, they have sex in it. Some of them eat it. What yeah. the f yeah. is going I, I, on? I mean, I don't know. That that I mean, I could tell you where it came from though. Staying in the diapers too long and shit like that. Well, no I did make I did make a change to household policy though. Following that, which is my wife now has to tell me every time she poops. She poops. Yeah. <laughs> she's going. Which you. I think is good standard policy in any household. You she, should. She's going to kill you. My wife doesn't poop. No. Well, that's that's a problem. Twenty five years of marriage. I, I I don't know what my wife's farts smell. I mean, she's never right? farted mine in front either. of me. I mean, what's the deal, ladies? I don't know. I don't know. 
Never. That. So, I mean, I think the, that story started off with a good idea. I want right. I want to make sure she is because right. I, mean, I don't know when she's she, sneaking she it in. She might be like Myrtle and, and Eden, not not your wife, my wife, maybe my wife, eating all the pain pills and it stops them up and we don't know about it. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it made me think about uh, what's going I, on I, just, my I, house. I think my wife is just, is just a lady. Maybe there's a secret bathroom. Maybe, maybe, there's, maybe there's a secret, secret bathroom. You know, we have all the wings to the house. I mean, maybe there's... <laughs> Maybe there's hey, a secret wing where she goes and poops that your, I don't even know exists. Your butler, uh, what was his name, Alfred? Was Batman's butler that you hired? Yeah, yeah, maybe so Alfred's wife. You're so rich that you stole Batman's <laughs> butler away from him. <laughs> Teen murders three elderly women in purely random New Mexico shooting. Uh, authorities identified three people killed in Monday's New Mexico shooting as three elderly women. During the Tuesday press conference, police confirmed Shirley Bolta, 79, Gwendolyn Schofield, 97, and Melanie Livy, 73, died while driving through a Farmington, New Mexico neighborhood. Ivy was the daughter of Schofield, say police, and the pair were in the same vehicle when they were fatally shot. This is such a tragic event. It's overwhelming to the census, the deputy chief told reporters. I don't care what age you are i don't care what else is going on in your life to kill three innocent elderly women that were just absolutely in no position to defend themselves is always going to be a tragedy on monday police said in a statement that they confronted and killed the gunman identified as 18 year old formerton high school student bo wilson after receiving more than 100 calls reporting the shooting more than one Hundred rounds were exchanged between the shooter and police. Two responding officers suffered from gunshot wounds and are recovering. Police Chief Steve he said the gunman fired from at least three different legally obtained weapons, including AR-style rifle. In a video statement, he said the shooting appeared to be purely random, and the police say there is no known link between the shooters and the victims. Wow. Um, Ivy was a beloved preschool teacher speaking with the outlet state rep Mark Duncan confirmed his wife is Ivy's niece. These are women whose whole entire life was devoted to their family, to their church and to the community. Four others were also injured in the shooting. Dude, I never worked a case on three elderly, elderly women. Yeah, I've worked, I worked crazy. one on one 89 year old. That was bad and monsters, but you make it uh, to year 97 and that's shit, the way 97. you go. That's crazy. They stole what? What? They stole what? what? An Ohio man was arrested after he allegedly stole sex toys from an adult store. Police say they responded to Cirilla's. How about that for the name of a sex toy store? Cirilla's after a panic alarm was pressed. A store employee said a white male was carrying a large knife on his hip. Police said they saw Josh Millsap, 28, exiting the adult store, and police say he admitted to stealing the sex toys. The toys were recovered from Millsap's vehicle, and police eventually checked his jacket and found seven more toys. What? So you may be curious, what yeah, did what he have of, yeah, in his please, jacket? Please, what were the toys? Well, how about a shapeshifter anal vibrator? <laughs> A shape shift. Never heard of that. That was ninety nine dollars. What? Yeah, a vibrating ring, sixty seven ninety nine. What? Great for the anaconda. A three pack <laughs> cock ring, 
Also, uh, seven dollars and ninety nine cents. What had, had to be super seven nine yeah. super size for the anaconda. It had to be wide. <laughs> Universal pump sleeve, like a beer can. <laughs> Universal pump sleeve, ten dollar and ninety nine cents. Pump sleeve. Uh, a, a sound trainer. I don't have no idea what that is. I must, I must 40, be way too old. Forty two ninety nine for that a puppy. Sound trainer. It's called a urethal sound trainer. Uh, no idea. Yeah. Wow. So if you know what wow. that is out there, <laughs> let us know. It, inflatable G vibrator. Oh, I know about that. Ninety nine bucks for that thing. Stay hard donut rings. Six ninety nine. And police say he stole a total of $336.93 worth of the toys. He was cited for misdemeanor theft. After he was cited, he was arrested by the Ohio State Patrol for outstanding warrants. Wow. How about that? They stole what? Full wow. fraud. Hey, they're just sort of um, the urethal What he's doing research here. is actually a deal. I don't really know what it is. How many? Silicon, how many? What is it? How many are you ordering? What you? Urethal sound. I don't know. Two, three. I, I can't tell you. Get them many. in different colors. And until, but look, they look like nails or something. I don't know what. They what? Do. Why does it say sound trainer? I don't know. So let me give you a description real quick. You're curious about sounding, but nervous to try? Allow this eight-piece beaded training set to ease your ease you in gently. You plug in <laughs> and set it's eleven point eight. One inches, satisfyingly textured inches of high quality flexible silicone ranges from 0.12 inches wide to the smallest to 0.39 inches wide at the largest with Dang. tampered ends for easy insertion. <laughs> You'll be moving up to the sizes in no time. Discover mm. the erotic joys of rethal play. Holy shit, you think they're putting it in the PO? It's gotta be. Oh no! That's where the urethra is. I thought I knew it all. Wait, no. I don't. I'm lost. Ugh, <laughs> sounds painful to me. <laughs> don't sound like no fun. Like this dude was a my, freak. That's the other hole that says exit only on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is your. They stole what for Friday? <laughs> stole what? They stole what? Urethral tubes. I don't get it, Mike. You. <laughs> <laughs> Holy oh shit. God. All right. Uh, wow. All right. Uh-oh. Get to the My favorite crime of the day. Kinky crimes. Kinky crimes for Friday. Yes, I can't Fuck. wait to hear it. Mm-hmm. There's no urethral toys in this one. No, no. no. I'm uh, just but, looking at this uh, This. But I'm gonna give you store the, that Woody found online. Yeah, I'm going to give you the kinky crimes. Clear my search history, by the way, when you get that. The uh, kinky crimes for Friday as well. A woman felt guilty over kinky sex with a stranger, so she claimed she had been attacked. Mm-hmm. A woman who claims she was raped after being racked with guilt following a kinky session has been jailed. Christy Snowden, 21, described herself on a website as a BDSM princess, standing for bondage, domination, and sadomasochism. And barely five seconds after she arrived, Mike's laughing, I butchered the word, but Mike uses that every day probably. And barely five seconds after she arrived at Andy Borer's home, she had agreed to strip off, put on a dog collar, and lead and be spanked. Hey, right? But Snowden was that. Snowden, who was trying for a baby with her boyfriend, regretted the romp as soon as she left and called the police saying she had been raped. She told officers a baldy man in his 40s had raped her as she left a gym. Based on her description, a man was arrested, 
but released when police realized he was innocent. Poor mm. fella. DNA samples led them to Mr. Boer, who was arrested in front of his bosses at work. Mr. Boer, who was going through a divorce, uh-uh. was remanded in custody, but Snowden's story unraveled after police uncovered her exchanges over the Internet with him. The investigation had wasted hours of police time. Judge Phillips' statement told her the impact on your victim has been considerable. What occurred in the privacy of his home, however much certain members of the community may find that reprehensible, has been made public. He has been made the subject of ridicule. The court heard Snowden had agreed to go to Mr. Boer's apartment after he saw her ad on the Internet. They indulged in various sex acts, and he put her in a dog collar and spanked her. Mr. Boer told the court, towards the end, she said she did not want to do it anymore. She said her boyfriend would kill her if he found out. <laughs> also, they were trying for a baby, and she felt guilty, and she left. The next thing I knew, I was being arrested at work in front of everyone. Sounds like. I, I had so many of these cases, uh, girls that did it for one mm-hmm. reason or another, mm-hmm. and they realized they were in trouble with their significant other, so mm-hmm. they cried right. But kinky crying. Well, let me, just, let me just say that, you know, it sounds to me like she needs to be sentenced to some spankings. <laughs> <laughs> she get a cane. You get some urethral tubes. Mike's still looking. She's probably got line. long nails too. Long. She probably nails. has some marks on her ass, and it couldn't explain it to herself. Okay. Uh, yes. Obviously, I need to. He's still looking. I need to spice. Myself. I need to spice things up a bit in yes, my household because we'll I don't know what any of these things are uh, or what yeah. they do. A twenty-speed vibrating rechargeable penis plug. <laughs> like, what do I do with this thing? Seriously, does that end go in? I think oh that God. that's what the urethral tube trainers are for. You, to spread I'm, it out so you can put that plug in there. I'm sorry, y'all, this podcast and is what, so way and, off the rails. Yeah, like, today, what, today's episode what is human being, It's got 48 five-star hey, you reviews. You know, you can ask the... Harry and Megan, what the fuck? They, they, they use the Royals on them? Uh, yeah, the the semi-Royals? All right. Oh, give me some banjos, please. Banjo time. I'll try to pull this off, folks. I am seriously affected by what I've read in the last minute or two. (laughs) Break-ins, steals things, plan to pay later. Hmm. This is a dumb criminal. Breaking into a closed gas station, that's bad. Wanting to pay for your items, even though you've broken into a closed gas station, is good. Stealing those items is bad. Leaving your credit card to come back and pay for the stolen items is just plain dumb. Yep. Prisons are full of dummies. A 21-year-old named Lance Kurtz from Florida broke into a closed gas station to the C-store and took some items. But he did leave his debit card on the counter. He wanted to come back and pay later when they were open. (laughs) So this guy is a moron, but he's a moron with a conscience. He meant well. What would help him stay out of jail would be to know that breaking and entering is also a crime. (laughs) Even if he walked out with nothing, he'd still be heading for some time in the slammer. So police were alerted by the alarm that went off when he broke in. And when they arrived, they saw Kurtz on their surveillance camera taking things and leaving through the front door. They tracked him down on the side of the road after his car caught on fire. He's having a bad day. Yeah, so Lance 
Kurt's genius banjo. That's a dumb criminal. Dumb Leave your debit criminals. card, huh? Yep. I'm going to pay for it later. All right. It's this day in crime for May 19th. And we're going to tell you a couple things. We're going all the way back, y'all. All the way back to 1536. And Anne Boylan. Oh, yeah. You familiar with Anne Boylan? Anne Boylan. That's it. Boylan. Anne Boylan. That's what he said. It's Reese's, not Reese's, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) And it's Rao, not (laughs) Roe. It is Rao. All right. So she's executed. It under- is Mississippi's. Or <laughs> <laughs> whatever you said. Where did I go? Mississippi. <laughs> she is executed under the rule of husband, Henry VIII. I am Henry VIII. I am. She is charged with incest, treason, and adultery. And that was back in the days when they right. really executed. They really, they yeah. really cared too yeah. about those charges. And in 1994, so we'll bring you a little closer to the present. John Wayne Gacy is executed by lethal injection. Good riddance. Killer clown. The true For those clown. that are unfamiliar, fake ass clown. It's the second killer clown. That was another killer. Clown. Yeah, he's the first OG. Killer. And that was this day in true crime history. Well, gentlemen, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. It went off the rails several times, but no. stayed on the rails. Stayed on the rails. Jim, you had one more treat you were going to do today. Oh, oh, oh I'm glad you. Yeah. So, y'all, we uh, we have a little. You know, we like to educate right. on this show when we can. Education, whether it's good education or bad education, we like to educate. So, we are going to do some state. Crimes that you may not realize are crimes. And we're going to let Woody draw this first one. All right. And we've got all 50 states in there. I'm going to reach deep. No representation for the U.S. No Virgin Puerto Islands Rico. or Puerto Rico. Right. No. The state no is Iowa. Yeah. And what yeah. What is the obscure crime? The obscure crime is one armed piano players must by law perform for free. <laughs> Wow. That's, that's fucking crazy. That's cold-blooded. Yeah. Where look, does that come from? These are legit crimes that are on the books that, yeah, in each state. Shit. That's fucking excellent. So only you could come up with something well, like that. Well, I, I doubt the one-armed uh, piano players are going to move to Iowa on that basis. <laughs> right? They're that, going to live somewhere else. They're you're, you're hurting your population. Group. That's right. That's that right. crazy. they got to perform for, per, for free if they got one-on-one. Yeah. So what there you the go. hell went on at what point in history that led to the uh, creation no idea, but somebody broke that rule or did something bad somewhere. Like Mike's story about the rules. That'll be, that'll be tonight's rabbit hole. Yeah. At least yeah. I won't be searching about shit again. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. be searching about your ethyl twos. Well, thank all y'all for listening. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Your host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Peace. Shut business.